Hallelujah. Well, this evening we're going to continue our teaching on overcoming identity theft. Let's just pray. Let's get into the Word. Father, we come to You in Jesus' name. Lord, we thank You for this day. Father, we thank You for the opportunity to be in Your house, Father. We thank You, Lord, for these people. God, they're Your people. Lord, You said in Your Word that we are royalty, Father. We are the children of the Most High God. And Father, it's a privilege to be in Your house with Your people. And Father, right now we just thank You for the hearts of the people. Lord God, that their hearts will be good ground. They'll receive the seed of the Word and bring forth fruit, some 30, some 60, some 100-fold. Father God, we thank You, Lord, that You, uh, that you would uh, give to us the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of You. Lord, that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened. Father, that we might know what is the hope of the calling, Lord, the uh, riches of the glory of the inheritance of the saints and the power to us who believe. And Father, we thank You that You confirm Your Word with signs following and we give you thanks for it now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Like we said, we're continuing this evening the series we started, uh, I guess, about four or five weeks ago on overcoming identity theft. Amen. In other words, in Him, who you are in Christ. How many of you got know that the most important thing, you've got to know who you are. You've got to know who you are because... How many of you know your position, your, the, the things you have access to, who you are? It's all tied up in your identity. And if you don't have a proper comprehension of who God says you are, because let's just face it, who God says you are trumps what? This is the thing. How do you know the devil's lying? His mouth's moving, right? If his mouth is moving, the devil's, uh, devil's lying. So why you, you don't want to listen to what devil? Because the devil is going to accommodate you with all kinds of thoughts, ain't he, about who you are. Oh, you're just a loser. Oh, you know, you know how your people are. You know your family. Ain't nobody in your family. Everybody in your family, it's like that for everybody in your family. You know how your people are, right? That's just the way it is with your people. He'll tell you, oh, you'll never get any better. Oh, yeah, it's, it, you know, it ain't ever going to get any better. Oh, you know now. And the devil will tell you that. And he'll tell you, you know, you remember what you used to do and who you used to be? Huh? He'll tell you. Guess what? The devil don't even have to tell you some stuff. You'll, your, your own mind can give you some, some negativity, right? Amen? But how many of you know if you're going to have an accurate understanding of who you are, you need to know what God says about you, right? That's the important one. And so we want you to uh, go ahead. We're going to look at uh, two uh, key passages of Scripture that we've been teaching off of. Genesis chapter 1, verse, and, and starting with verse 26. It says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image and according to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And God created man in his own image, and in the image of God he created him, male and female. Notice he said him, male and female, because we're taught that the spirit is man. Amen? Created them male and female, he created them, and God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it, and rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And I, I, like I said, I refer to this as the Dominion Commission. God created man, and you notice that man was created in God's likeness and in his image, and that meant that in the original design, in the original creation, 
Adam's character and his nature was just like God, his daddy. If we brought this out to you, the Bible teaches plainly. You go to Luke chapter, I believe it's Luke chapter 3, verse 38, when it's going through the lineage of Jesus, and it says, uh, the son of, the son of, the son of, and it goes all the way back down to Seth, the son of Adam, Adam, the son of God. Adam was God's son. He was created in his likeness and in his image. And so God created man, and then if you will, turn to Psalms chapter 8. We'll look at Psalms chapter 8 and we'll take a look at this other passage of Scripture that we've been uh, building off of. And I'm going to read it to you out of the contemporary English version. It says, Then I ask, uh, verse 4, Psalms 8, 8, starting with verse 4. It says, Then I ask, why do you care about humans? Why are you concerned for us weaklings? You made us a little lower than yourself. You have crowned us with glory and honor. You let us rule over everything your hands have made, and you put it all under our power. Notice this, that the King James Version says, What is man that you're mindful of him? You have made him a little lower than the angels. And we brought this out, that if you'll study that out, you look up that word angels, it's actually the word Elohim. And that's the same word that the, where the Bible says, In the beginning, Elohim created the heavens and the earth. Right? So this, the best translation of this verse is, is that in the beginning, yeah, is that God made man a little lower than himself. Because the, the original intent, and, and you notice this passage in Psalms reiterates what was said in Genesis. God created the earth. He created man a little lower than himself, and he placed man in the position of dominion. He said, he said Adam, he said, I want you to rule over this. He said, he said, let, let's, he said remember, he said, let us create man in our image and let him have dominion. Let him rule. Have him, let him have authority and rulership over the earth. So in that original intention, God created man, and, he cre and his intention was for man to, to rule and reign upon the earth just like, just like God did in heaven. You understand this? Is that, uh, uh, so we see this, and we're starting to make this transition, because remember we said that when Adam sinned, he disobeyed the word of the king, he sinned, sin entered the world. The Bible says that through one man, uh, sin entered the world, and through sin, by sin, death entered the world. And so death entered the world. We remember that, that the Bible says in Luke chapter 4, Satan was when Satan was tempting Jesus, he said, um, he said if you'll just bow down and worship me, he said, I will uh, give you all the kingdoms of the world. He said, because they're mine to do, because all this power, all this authority has been delivered. And we saw that word delivered actually meant surrendered to me. So when Adam submitted to, when he rebelled against God's word, he submitted again, he submitted himself to what the devil told him to do. You know, oh, you, you know, you won't die. Surely, you surely won't die if you eat the fruit. He disobeyed God. He submitted himself. The Bible says, whoever you submit yourself to be a servant, to obey their slave, you become. And at that point, Adam surrendered the authority, the dominion that God gave him to Satan, right? And so we see that ever since then, that God's plan is the plan of redemption. We talk about the Bible. The Bible is a book about a king, his kingdom, and his royal offspring. The common theme through the whole Bible is redemption through Jesus Christ. But you understand... We've got to understand redemption is not just I get to go to heaven when I die. 
It has been, the, the church has did a very poor job, in, in, for the most part, of representing what it actually means because you understand the whole plan of redemption was to get it back to the original condition. And God's going to get it there. Amen? We're in, we're in a tree. You say, well, you know, when Je- you know, Jesus said it was finished when he hung on the cross. Well, you know, it doesn't look to me like it's all finished. Well, we understand that the kingdom, that we are in the kingdom now. Jesus came, he said that when Jesus came preaching, he said the kingdom of heaven is at hand, which means it's within reach, it's obtainable. And some people say, well, you know, you, and we understand this, there's a time coming when Jesus is going to return back to the earth when Satan is going to be bound, when sin is going to be done away with, Jesus is going to set up on the throne of his father David. He's going to rule and he's going to reign upon the earth. Okay? So what's going on right now? I've used this example before and it bears repetition. Do you understand, when was the United States of America, what's the birthday for the United States of America? July 4th, 1776. Does anyone know when the United States Constitution was ratified? Seventeen ninety one. Fifteen years later. So there was fifteen years between the time that we call the birthday of the United States of America when the Declaration of Independence was signed, right? We told King George, we're leaving, right? Hit the road, pal. So there was, but there was that fifty. But would it be inaccurate to say that between seventeen seventy six to seventeen ninety one there was no United States of America? Yeah, it'd be inaccurate to say that because when that Declaration of Independence was signed and proclaimed, we were declaring there's a new government here. If we are not under your authority anymore, if we cut political ties with you, if we are establishing a new government. And there was a time, 15-year period, before that Constitution was ratified. Well, you understand this, that when Jesus died on the cross and he shed his blood, when he cried, it's finished, when he rose from the, from the grave and the tomb was empty, that was the Declaration of Independence. And Jesus said, we, you know, we, he, the, he destroyed, he overthrew the kingdom of darkness, right? And he established the kingdom. And now, if it helps you understand this a little better, we're in that 15-year transition period, even though it's been a little more than 15 years in the natural, right? But we're in that transition period, from uh, spiritually speaking, from 1776 to 1791, when the government, when all the trappings of the government's being set in place, waiting for the fullness of time, when the Father says, "This is the time I've set," boom, go do it, right? So it's all getting back to the original purpose. And you understand this is that we said that when Adam sinned, there were three things that he lost. Man lost his relationship with God, right? Because remember, until then, God created man in His likeness and His image, and it says, so, that, so God was his father, but remember now, is over in John chapter 8, I believe, that Jesus is having this uh, debate with the Pharisees, and he says, you're of your father the devil. Well, when did that happen? That happened at the fall. Because when Adam fell and when, de- and when he died spiritually, and he lost the nature, and he lost the likeness of God, the nature of God, the Spirit of God departed, he lost God's nature, he, he took on a new spiritual nature, and that was the nature of the devil. And you understand, that so, uh, so Adam lost relationship. The other thing he lost was he lost his uh, purpose. You need to understand, he lost, his, he lost his relationship, he lost his purpose, and he lost the access to the blessings of God. And so uh, last week uh, we uh, went through, we had come to the point where we were talking about um, in the restoration of relationship, we began to mention a few things that had taken place 
that really kind of um, were kind of kind of overlapped, where uh, relationship and uh, where relationship and purpose kind of begin to overlap a little bit, because you understand this really, your purpose. That good one. Okay. <laughs> you understand this is that your purpose actually should define who you are. You understand? You understand? And I and when I say your purpose, you realize that people in the world operate in this all the time. People in the church operate in this all the time, but it's at the wrong level because they let their job identify who they are, or their skin color give them their identity or their ethnic background, or their, or their uh, income level determine what they think their purpose is, and stuff like that. And you understand all that's bunk. That your purpose, God gives you your purpose, and because you have His purpose, then that begins to, to influence your identity. That's what we're talking about, is identity. But the relationship had to be reestablished. And last week, we, we uh, were coming to a conclusion, which we kind of closed up with, is that... Um, that Philippians 3.20, uh, you should have this in your handout from last week, Philippians 3.20 says, you are a citizen of heaven. Um, you live by a different set of laws that supersedes the laws of earth. And we said this, uh, and um, I wish I had all my notes out here, but we said this, that a citizen, if you're a citizen, there was a difference between a citizen and a subject, or a citizen and a civilian. If you're a citizen, you have uh, rights and privileges of, of the country or the nation state that you are a citizen of. It carries benefits with it. The only proof you need... Here's your perfect example. Why are people digging tunnels from Mexico to the United States to get in this country? Why are people risking their life to wade across the Rio Grande to get here? Why are people paying uh, you know, human traffickers, they call them coyotes, to sneak them across the border, risking their life? Why are people in the middle of the summer when it's 100 degrees packing into the back of enclosed trailers with no ventilation or railroad cars trying to sneak into the country because they want to get into America because under this government, if they can get into this country, there are privileges and benefits that are made available to people that they don't have in their country, and they want the privileges and the benefits. Everybody wants benefits and privileges, but we need to start talking about responsibility because a lot of people don't want the responsibility. They want the privilege and the benefit. Oh, if we keep it G, right, because the kid, we've got a kid in here, right? But, you know, when people are dating, the guy always wants, you know, some privilege and benefit of covenant, right, without the responsibility. But you understand that as a citizen of the kingdom, man, Pastor Ross is going to get on to me. He's going to say, man, can you preach without using a song reference, amen? Because <laughs> I think I, I used one last week. All right, but anyway, you understand, as a citizen, you have access to privileges and benefits, okay? And we said that we were talking about that that came with the relationship, the restoration of relationship, that your citizenship changed. Now, this is really where we're going to, and we begin to make this a segue to transition in to your purpose, okay? Because once you become that citizen, the Bible also says, and we mentioned this uh, last week, I believe, in closing, 2 Corinthians 5.20 says, you are an ambassador of the kingdom of heaven. And we brought this out, is that an ambassador, his citizenship is in one country, but he doesn't live there. Now this might seem like 
a small thing. Some of you might be going, well, duh, Pastor Brian. But no, no, no. It's very important because it helps when you it helps you even solidify more this paradigm that we're, the shift that we're making of looking at things from the paradigm of the kingdom. Because an ambassador's citizenship is in one country, and we said this. You can be a, a U.S. ambassador and your citizenship is in the United States of America, but you're only an ambassador. They might call you an ambassador in, in title, but you're only an ambassador indeed when you live in another country. The, the United States ambassador to Russia, he lives in Russia, but his citizenship is in the United States of America. Right? So this is very important. You, you take that and you realize that that reinforces this paradigm uh, shift that we're having of thinking of the kingdom. You are ambassadors. Your citizenship is in heaven. But because of your job, because of your position in the kingdom as an ambassador, because of the purpose you have as an ambassador, that purpose itself dictates that man was intended to be on the earth. That was the original intention, right? And so... This week we're going to go ahead and we're going to transition over into, and this is where we can begin to, to see, look at the handout that you have for this week, the restoration of purpose. Amen. Pastor Earl says he gets, man, he gets all jacked up when he starts talking about purpose. You know what jacked up means? Man, I just get, I get crunk, right? I get all fired up talking about purpose. And I told Pastor Cheyenne, I said, I was studying and preparing today. And I thought, woo, man, I said, I'm getting fired up talking about purpose. Amen? How many of you know we've got a song, I know I have purpose that's found in the kingdom to bring heaven to earth. Amen? Understand this. If you want to look at your handout, we've got there, um, when it, and we've mentioned this before, this maybe articulates it a little bit differently, but you understand this, that wherever purpose is not known, abuse and misuse are inevitable. I'm going to say that again. Wherever purpose is not known, Abuse and misuse are inevitable in every circumstance of your life, right? Um, we mentioned this already, but physical intimacy between a man and a woman, right? If you don't know what the purpose is, and the purpose is it's supposed to be a source of blessing and, and adhesion and, and a tremendous blessing of God to a man and woman in the covenant of marriage, if you don't know that's the purpose, then it becomes something that gets abused and misused and something that God intends to be a blessing can become something that's very destructive. Right? Here's an example of, you know, another, example, another way to say that is fire. If it's in your fireplace in the wintertime and it's burning and crackling and it's warming the room and it's nice, it's a blessing, Right? But let, the, let a log roll out of the fireplace and roll out in the middle of your carpet and set the carpet on fire. It can burn your house down if you don't contain it. So what can be a blessing in its proper context can be something that becomes something very destructive and, and can destroy your, uh, your home and be in a danger to you because it, it's out of its context and it's, and, the, and it's not fulfilling the purpose that it needs to be doing. So whenever the purpose of something is not known, abuse and misuse are inevitable. Well, what is purpose? We talked about that one of the things Adam lost was his purpose. You understand this? Purpose is something set up um, as an object or goal to be attained. I'm going to say that again. Purpose is something set up as an object or a goal to be attained. I'm going to give you a couple of things. It is, purpose is, and I like this, I, I was reading this day, purpose is the original intent for the creation of a thing. 
man. Are we talking about, have we heard something about original intention? Have we heard a little bit about original purpose? That's uh, the original purpose. The original intent is the purpose. The, the uh, purpose is the original reason for the existence of a thing. I'm talking about you all this evening. I'm talking about us. I'm talking about the, the children of God. We're talking about your purpose is the original reason for your very existence. Do you know that God did not create you for your purpose to be to work a 40-hour week for a living just to move it on down the line? Your original purpose was just not what... God did not create you just so you could get you a mortgage and have you a house and a little picket fence and your little 2.3 children and your dog named Spot. Have that American dream. How many of you all know that the American dream is not your original intention and purpose? Your purpose is the original reason for your very existence. How come people are living such empty, unfulfilling lives? How come someone, you know, if, if you turned the news on at all, you'd think the only thing going on in the world the past two weeks would be Charlie Sheen melting down? Right? You can't turn on. I'm like, hello, uh, it seems like there was a revolution going on in the Middle East and there's like three or four different countries that were having a civil war. But all I can see is Charlie Sheen on his webcam and them talking about what a wacko he is and how he's flipping out. You know what? Every parent that wants to deter their children from using drugs ought to go on YouTube and find some videos of Charlie Sheen fried out insane rants and say, look, you want to know why you don't do drugs? It'll make you act stupid like that. Watch this. But what would make somebody, the dude's making, I think they said, $2 million an episode for 23 minutes. It's a half hour program, so it's 23 minutes long, probably give or take a minute or two. Now I know they've got to film several hours of stuff and cut it down and do retakes, but let's put it in the big picture. The finished product is 23 minutes of entertainment. They're paying you $2 million a show. What's a season? What's a season? Maybe maybe 20, 20 episodes, something like that? $40 million a year to set and, and just act like a, re, a dork. Act like a moron. Okay? Here, think about it, though. If money could make you happy, $40 million a year, the guy is in complete meltdown and making a complete fool of himself in front of the whole world. They said he's got that he has more people following on him on Twitter than anybody else in the world. And you know why? It's not because people are liking him. It's because they think they're watching a train wreck right in front of them. So here's a guy, got all the money in the world, and you would think that he would be happy. Money, everything that money could buy you. And guess what? He's still so empty and hollow on the inside, he's got to be doing drugs at the wazoo. He's got to keep himself high and jacked up on, uh, on drugs all the time. Why? Because I'll guarantee you he does not know what his purpose is. Because it goes right back to the first statement on this, uh, on this handout, wherever purpose is not known, abuse and misuse is inevitable. And so he, does, he just doesn't have a clue what his purpose is. Understand this, what is purpose? Purpose is the end for which the means exists. So we're talking about your purpose. We're talking about for you and your life. What is the original reason that you even exist? 
What is, you know, some of the, one of the greatest philosophical questions that people ask is, what is the meaning of life? How many of us have heard that? What is the meaning of life? Do you know why people ask that? Because they don't, they don't know what the original purpose is. They don't know what the purpose of their existence is. What's the meaning of life? And you know what? A lot of people, they, they even make it more complicated because they want to take God out of the equation. Okay, well, all that God and religion and stuff is just superstition, so let's just take it out. And what's, and what's the meaning of life? If you were not created by a supreme being, if you were not created by God, then there is no purpose of life, and the question is a foolish waste of time. You understand this? Is that, that purpose... So we know what purpose is. Purpose is something set up as an object or a goal to be attained. It's the original intention for the created thing. It's the original reason for the existence of a thing. It's the end for which there's a means. So we know what it is, but what makes, what is so important about purpose? It's, you know, it's one thing to know what something is, but then it's another to know why is it so important, right? Okay, world knows what marriage is, right? Or they think they do. They at least got a working knowledge of, well, you know, man and woman, they get together, you know, or they used to think it was a man and woman. Now some of them are messed up. They don't even know, you know. Hello. I ain't seen two roosters make eggs yet. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. I'm a, I'm a country boy, all right? I understand this. What's so important about see the world? They they think they know they think they know what the purpose of marriage is, right? But they don't, and because they don't know the purpose of it, again, it's abused and misused, right? So, so you you can know what something is without knowing what its significance is. So we're going to take a look. What's so important about purpose? If you look at your hand out there, it's the first one of the blanks. It says purpose is the master of motivation, and the mother of commitment. Do you all have a handout? Do you all have one of the handouts? Brother Kirk, can you get them a handout? They came in. Purpose is the master of motivation, and it is the mother of commitment. You understand? What do you mean by it's the master of motivation? How many of you all... I'll just share this with my own personal experience, okay? A year ago... Pastor Brian would have had a real hard time getting the motivation to get up at 5.30, 5.45 in the morning and get dressed and go to the gym and work out for an hour. Can, it, can I get a witness that that would be hard, okay, <laughs> to get up and do that? But you understand that I begin to have a purpose, and you understand this, and I'm not going to talk about vision tonight, but purpose and vision go hand in hand. They're inseparable. I begin to get a vision. I begin to have a purpose. My purpose was... I'm going to judge my flesh. I'm going to bring my flesh under and I'm going to do something about a problem that the Holy Spirit's been speaking to me about for a, a long time and I'm going to begin to deal with it. And so I have a purpose and my purpose was to bring my flesh under, to judge my flesh. And because I had that purpose, it began to be the master. I began to get motivated. I had a motivation for setting the alarm at 5.30, 5.45 in the morning so I could be at the gym at 6 o'clock. I had a motivation for that because I had a purpose and my purpose was I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get rid of some of this extra body weight. 
I'm going to start getting myself in shape and I'm going to take care of my body because it's the temple of the Holy Ghost and I don't want my spirit when I'm 80 years old for my spirit to be gung-ho and my body be all poofed out because I haven't taken care of it. Because I do have intentions if the Lord Jesus Christ does not return before then that I'm going to still be here and I'm still going to be about the Father's business because I ain't holding out till 65 or 70 hoping to retire and go do something else because this is what I live for. And so I need to take care of my wife. So because I had that purpose, that purpose became the, the master of motivation. It motivated me to do something. Well, uh, you say, so purpose is the master of motivation and it's the mother of commitment. Because if you've got a purpose, you're going to be committed to something. If you've married someone, and it doesn't matter if it's first marriage, second marriage, third marriage, fourth marriage, wherever it's at, but you've married someone and you said, you know what, I've got a purpose in this thing. I'm going to make this thing work. I'm going to make my marriage be something that brings glory to God. I'm going to make my marriage, I'm going to be a source of blessing to my spouse. And we're going to do this thing right and it's going to bring glory to God and my marriage is going to be honorable. Well then guess what? You've got purpose. You've, you've got a vision for what you want your, your marriage to be. You've got a purpose, and that purpose is the mother of commitment in it, because I'll guarantee you, if you've been in it, if you've been married more than a month, that you've had the opportunities to throw your hands up and quit. Hard times have come. Financial hard times come. Sickness comes. Just differences of opinions come. But because you have a purpose, no, this is, I'm not going to become a statistic. No, I'm not going to, I, I may have made a mistake in the past, I'm not making that mistake again. I have got a purpose that this, that I am, and because I have a purpose for why I'm in this covenant with someone, I have that purpose for it, then it is the mother of commitment. No, I'm in for the long haul. I know me and Pastor Cheyenne personally. Man, the first, I've said this for the first year we was married. Cynthia, if she'd have shot me in the head while I was asleep, it'd have been justifiable homicide. God wouldn't even blame her. God had said, man, I'd have used a bigger gun and done it sooner. Amen. <laughs> God, God probably said, man, you took it longer than I did. I was, you know, I was getting ready to, you know, send something, you know, walk him out in front of a truck or something. But purpose is the mother of commitment. When you get a hold of purpose, and this is the thing, when you begin to get a revelation of your purpose in the kingdom, because all this stuff that's going on, all the all stuff that keeps us busy and preoccupied during the day, that's not your purpose. Amen. And just to be real honest, a lot of it is just stuff that is distractions and the, the cares of life that is clouding you. <laughs> Can I do that? Lord? Ty would appreciate this. I don't know if he's in here. Ty, yeah, Ty, Ty would appreciate this. Ty, you got to check this out, brother. Look here. This is, this is what the cares of life try to do. Can you see me? Can you see me? Look here. Look here. What's that mean? What's that mean? John Cena. What's it mean, though? He does it. You can't see me. That crazy wrestler John Cena, he goes, you can't see me. Y'all get it. Somebody will enjoy it, right? What I mean is the cares of life, a lot of these things that are going on in your life are just distractions and your purpose is, that, your real purpose in your life is sitting there going, you can't see me. you got all the rest of this stuff going on. The devil's trying to trick you into thinking this is your purpose, this is your purpose. And the cares, and this is the thing, the cares of life 
will choke the Word because the Word reveals your purpose to you. The cares of life, the whole time your purpose is going, you can't see me. And you understand this, is that your, your purpose, without purpose, life has no meaning. Okay? Check this out. It, it can be observed in history that the value of life and the, and the quality of existence diminishes when a generation loses its sense of destiny and purpose. I'm going to say that again. It can be observed in history that the value of life and the quality of existence diminishes when a generation loses its sense of destiny and purpose. You don't need to go much further back than about the 1960s in the United States of America. You had a whole generation of people that were growing up, you know, not me, I wasn't even born then. <laughs> Just I know stories about it. Right? But a generation of people, and one of the things you hear people, they begin to question authority, question that they felt betrayed by the government, uh, they felt betrayed by authority figures, a whole generation of people that begin to question the traditional uh, moral values that had been passed down uh, from one generation to the next, and a group of people that in the 1960s, now I will say this, you know, I was, I was graduating high school in the late 80s, I graduated high school in 89, so... You know, right up into the 90s, what do they call us? Gen Xers. Generation X. What the flip's Generation X? That's a variable. That ain't even whatever, you know. I guess it's Generation whatever. You know, variables or whatever, right? But when people, and this is the thing, and this is my observation, this is just my observation, because how many of y'all think that the country's in better shape morally now than it was in the 1960s? Hello. Not hardly, right? What's happened? We've, got, we've had a generation, and then that generation, because my parents grew up in the 60s. You know, my parents were teenagers in the 1960s. They, neither one of them were hippies, because I, when I was a kid, I used to tease them growing up. I was like, I was like bless the Lord, you, you, you tell me either one of y'all had a tie-dyed T-shirt or bell-bottom pants, I'll disown both of you. Because y'all West Virginia, Wayne County hillbillies. You didn't do no hippie junk, okay? You know. But they grew up in that. But they would tell you, there's a whole generation of people that that generation, man, they lost their sense of purpose. What's my purpose? They begin that a generation of young people begin to quit. You know, what's my purpose? Guess what? Gen Xers are the children of the six of the kids back of the hippies in the sixties. And if we look in our country today. Let me ask them. Okay, has the value of life? Increased or diminished? It's diminished. What about the quality of existence in this country? Okay, people might have more gadgets. Don't think that having more gadgets and more stuff means you've got a better quality of existence. People don't know their purpose. Amen. The, the next uh, thing on your outline we've got here that we want to fill in the blanks is, is without purpose, life is a haphazard journey that results in frustration disappointment and failure. Let me just stop there for a minute. How many of you in your life you felt like your life, your life just has been a source of frustration, disappointment, and failure at times in your life? You felt that way. I will submit to you that every time that you have felt that way, it's because you've lost focus of what your purpose was. 
when you don't know your purpose, why am I here? What's my purpose? It's, it's, it will result in frustration, disappointment, and failure. Without purpose, life is subjective or it is a trial and error game <clears throat> ruled by environmental influences and circumstances of the moment. Those blanks there are environmental influences, circumstances of the moment. You know, Paul said he was talking about all the things that he had went through and all the things he had suffered for preaching the gospel. And he said, he said, and none of these things move me. I don't let any of these things budge me off of it. I don't let the thing, the temporary things that I can see budge me off of the unseen permanent things that that's what determines my purpose. What's in the unseen? You, know, you understand this? Is that if you don't know what your purpose is, I, I, I like this, it says life just becomes a trial or error thing. I've heard people before say, and if you've said this, man, shame on you. I've heard people before say, well, you know, I guess I've got to learn all my lessons the hard way. Anybody ever tells you that? Say, well, that's the way fools learn. Right? Because, you know, uh, how many of you all know when there were settlers going out and settling the United States, you know, they were striking off across the prairie and stuff like that. The smart settlers, if you, if you were a smart pioneer and you was out with somebody else, and uh, they said, man, I'm hungry. Look at these berries. I'm going to eat these berries. Mmm, they taste a little bitter. And they fell over dead. If you're a smart pioneer, you don't go, man, he must be allergic to them. I bet I'm not. <laughs> the dude just ate them and died in front of you, and you're going to, what's wrong with you? Are you stupid? Here's your sign, right? Here's your sign, dummy. Right? I guess I just... No, you understand that God gave us His Word and He has placed ministry gifts in the body to teach you what God's Word says so you don't have to learn, so you don't live your life like a haphazard trial and error. Well, you just, just try this, just try that. Just try. No, 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 because you understand what the Bible says where there's no vision, people perish. And vision, like I said, vision and purpose are inseparable. They go hand in hand. And so you understand this, is that having purpose, you will. this is the thing. If you realize you have a purpose, if you, if you know that you want to work for, uh, at a particular company and you know this company uh, does drug screens and they don't hire anybody that flunks a drug screen, is it a smart idea to be puffing on some reefer the night before you go take your P-test? Probably not, right? You want to stay clean, right? If, if, you, have, if you realize... Why? You say, there's something that I want. I have a purpose to obtain that. And because I have that purpose, I, it's going to cause me to not live haphazardly it's going to, because I, I'm going to find out the right way to do some things. Chuck's going to school right now to be trained to drive a truck. Okay? Chuck, Chuck could have said, hey, you know what? You know, it's just a car. It's just, a, it's just like a big car that bends in the middle. I'm just going to get in and start driving it. I mean, I've been driving for years, man. How old are you, Chuck? How many years have you been driving, Chuck? Been driving for 30 years. I've been driving for 30 years. Man, it's just like a big car, but it bends in the middle. I'll just go hop in and drive. Then you get in, it's like, what are all these knobs? Why ain't it moving? Well, you got to turn the air brakes off. What are air brakes? How do you turn those off? Right? You understand this? Is that, is that uh, because, but because Chuck has a purpose of I'm going to learn to drive this so I can acquire a license that gives me access to employment opportunities, I have that purpose 
Now I'm going to. Not, I'm just not going to jump into this thing haphazardly. I have a purpose, and I'm going to get a book because I know they make books on this. And I'm going to go and I'm going to get enrolled in some classes where there's somebody that even though he's a grump, he knows what he's doing about driving a truck. They can train me and show me to do some stuff. And I'm going to learn how to do this and do it right. And I'm not going to do it haphazard. Why? Because I got a purpose, and my purpose keeps me focused. Amen. Understand this: that a purpose is so important. I don't know. Some of y'all may know this. During World War II, when the Nazis put Jews in concentration camps and kept them detained just for indefinite periods of time, that they'd have them get up and, okay, we're moving this big old rock pile. I mean, they have a rock pile 100 foot tall. We're moving this pile of rocks from here to the other end of the camp today. And everybody would work all day long moving rocks. And then guess what? The next day they get up, this pile of rocks down here, we're moving it over to this side of the camp. Now let's get to it. Now why did they do that? Because they knew that the people, that those people they had in prison, that if they'd give them, a, if they'd give them a purpose, even though that was a poor excuse for a purpose, that if they gave them some kind of purpose and some task to be on task about and something to be on purpose about, that it would, that it would help those people uh, to, 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 to be focused. And they weren't running around looking to make as much trouble, really, if they had something to preoccupy their mind to make them do something. They gave them a purpose. But you understand this, is that, so purpose is so important. We know that purpose is something that's set up as a goal to be attained. It's the, the original reason for the existence. It, you, the purpose God has for you is, your, is your, the original reason you even exist. Okay? Well, some people say, well, how do I, you know, what do we need to do to discover our purpose? Next thing on your handout says, uh, discovering your purpose. There are some facets of purpose that are common to all humanity. We're going to look real quickly at some of those. First one we're looking at, now if we're talking about general purpose, you understand, and when I say all humanity, first thing here we say is, is 1 Timothy uh, 2, verses 1 through 4 says that it's God's purpose that all, for all men is that they would be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. That's why we say these, this purpose is common for all humanity. People who are unsaved, people who are saved, that's still God's purpose. God said, look, I want you to be saved, and I want you to come to the knowledge of the truth. That's one of the common things of our purpose. Another thing is in Acts 1, verse 8, says one of God's things is, is He wants all humanity, the uh, common purpose is for all humanity to be filled with the Holy Ghost and receive power to fulfill your purpose on the earth. You understand this? There's too many people out there running out, too many people in the body of Christ that are running out there, that they ain't receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost. They ain't getting filled with the Holy Ghost. And you understand this, that Jesus told the disciples, He said, y'all don't go any place and do anything. He gave them a purpose. Did He not give them a purpose? Did He not say, go into all the world and preach the gospel and make disciples of all men, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Ghost? He gave them their purpose. This is your charge, guys. This is what your purpose is. Go out and preach the gospel of the kingdom. But don't go any place till you receive power from on high. And the Bible is very specific and very plain about it, and to me it's not even a controversial doctrine. I don't even call it that anymore. Because if you'll read your Bible, the Bible makes it very clear, they got born again, they waited, they got filled with the Holy Ghost, they spoke in tongues as evidence of the fact that they were filled with the Holy Ghost, and then they were supposed to go out and do the work. There's too many people in the church, there's too many church associations and denominations that are running around, fuddling around, trying to do something that they're not even equipped to do. But one of God's purposes is for all mankind to receive power to fulfill your purpose. Right? These signs shall follow those who believe in my name. 
Huh? They shall speak in their tongues. They'll cast out demons. They'll lay hands on the sick. They'll recover. I haven't seen anyone yet that was not filled with the Holy Ghost that would cast out demons. Or just lay hands on the sick and get them recovered. Do you see somebody laying hands on some, laying hands on someone sick, laying hands on and getting them healed? That part, they're filled with the Holy Ghost. And that's part of our purpose. And it's not an option. You understand that God, when God, when, when Jesus said this is the way we're going to do it, that He didn't set up an all, it's not an a la carte buffet. He said, hey, just go down the line and get what you want to a little bit. You know, get a little bit of this, get a little bit of that. You know, if you don't like that, you don't like that Holy Ghost stuff, just leave it alone. Or, you know, if you say, I want the Holy Ghost, but I don't want tongues, that's like my pastor used to say, it's like saying, I want to get a drink of water, but I don't want to get my mouth wet. Excuse me? You get a drink of water, your mouth gets wet. You get filled with the Holy Ghost the way the Bible says get filled with the Holy Ghost, and you speak in tongues. Amen? Matthew chapter uh, 28, verse 19. Another part of the, we're talking about common purpose that we all have. Is that we're to become disciples of the teachings of the Bible. Go into all the world, preach the gospel, making disciples of all men. You understand we're supposed to be disciples. You realize that being a student of God's Word is more important than any other class you ever took in your whole life. It is amazing to me the number of people that say, I'm a Christian, I believe God's Word, I believe that this book holds the words that my eternal salvation and every blessing that God has promised to me, it promised me, and you ask them, you know, how often do you read? How much time do you spend in the Word? Saturate yourself. And I'm not talking about listening to teaching, because teaching's good, but you understand all the teaching in the world, the best teaching in the world is just a supplement. And I've said this before, you can go to GNC and you can buy the best protein shakes and the best vitamins that they make in the world, and if all you're taking is protein shakes and vitamins, you can die of malnutrition. Because those things are supplements. They don't replace food. Right? Um, Luke chapter 10, verse 2. One of the things that's a common purpose for all, that God has as a common purpose for us is to be a laborer in the kingdom. Jesus told His disciples, He said, pray the Lord of the harvest that He'll send laborers. You Notice Jesus didn't say pray the Lord of the harvest that He'll uh, get some more bench warmers. He'll get some more pew warmers. Huh? He said, laborers. It's amazing the number of people who want to go to church and claim to be a believer and claim to be a disciple of Jesus. And this is the thing, if you're a disciple of Jesus, you do the works of Jesus. You do the works, and Jesus was a laborer. And this is the thing, if Jesus is our example, Jesus was a servant, Jesus was a worker, Jesus got involved, Jesus didn't just sit on the sidelines and tell His disciples, hey, now I've taught you all, you all go out and do it. Or he didn't tell his disciples, now, now you've heard me, you've heard me teaching, now, you know, let, you know, let's just sit back here and take it easy. No, he said, pray for laborers. Laborers. God intends for us to be laborers. Amen. Hebrews. We're talking about, remember, we're talking about common purposes. Here's another purpose that you have as a believer. To be joined, Hebrews 10.35 says, not forsaking the assembling together of ourselves as is the manner of some, but even more so as you see the day approaching. What day approaching? The day of Jesus' return. The day that Jesus comes back to set up the kingdom. The revelation, the day of the revelation of Jesus Christ. Um, you understand this? We are to be joined to a local body of believers and be submitted to spiritual authority in that body so that you can grow and become more fruitful for the kingdom. I mean, I want, I, and I just feel like I, I want to emphasize this. Turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. It's amazing to me. It, it seems like it is epidemic in the body of Christ. 
and I think that a lot of it has to do with our Americanized version of the gospel or the way we think as Americans, but it is amazing to me how many people in the body of Christ think that they're not accountable to spiritual authority. You understand it's that God places a, a spiritual authority for your benefit. Amen? Because let's understand this. I want to say this before I, I mention this, is that Jesus said that in the church, in the ecclesia, that, that we are not to lord it over any. We're not to be lords over anyone. Right? And so if we're not a, a boss, in other words, that means that as a pastor, myself or Pastor Earl, we don't have a right to be sticking our nose up in all your little business and micromanaging and going, oh, you know, Cynthia, I think you, let me see your budget. I think you're spending too much at the grocery store. You, know, you need to stop buying some, buying so much steak and get you some bologna, girl, because you're spending too much. You'd be like, uh, Pastor, I pay my tithes and I pay my bills, and until and you guys start paying my bills, you can't tell me where I spend my money. Right? So mind your own business. Right? And rightfully so, because I don't have a right to lord it over you. But you do understand that in spiritual matters... God has set authority in the church. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 12 says, But we request of you, brethren, that you appreciate those who diligently labor among you and have charge over you in the Lord and give you instruction. Facets of purpose to all humanity. If we're talking about being joined to a local body of believers, being submitted to spiritual authority because God knows this is how you flourish, this is how you're going to grow. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they keep watch over your souls as those who will give account. Let them do this with joy and not with grief, for this would be unprofitable for you. Now, I'll just give you these two verses of Scripture to show you the Bible does teach that in the sphere of spiritual matters and church matters and biblical matters, God has set people in the church that it says plainly, they are over you and they give instruction to you. And as long as your pastor is not getting in, in, in sin or, or false doctrine, God has placed that authority in the church. And, this thing, and it's saying, don't make it something that's going to drive them up the wall because that would be unprofitable for you because you understand that's the person that's praying for you, that's seeking God for you. Father, I, I, you know, I'm the shepherd. I've got to feed the sheep. Why, why do we want to feed the sheep? Why do we want to, to preach and teach the Word? Because we want it to be profitable for you because... We want you to become more fruit so you can grow and be more fruitful in the kingdom, and that's part of your purpose. Amen. Amen? And so you understand that we were just talking, but we were looking at some of the things that were general, uh, general things. Uh, real quickly, I can I can wrap this up so that we can move on and hopefully finish up this next week. Is uh, you understand? This? You have a specific purpose. Now, those are general purposes that we all have. You have a specific purpose in the kingdom and this is the thing you understand proverbs 25 says the purposes of a man's heart are deep waters but a man of understanding draws them out you understand that you that you have a purpose that's in you i'll say that i'll read this off of the thing it says it's a rare exception for someone to accidentally discover their purpose you know that? You very rarely find your true purpose in life accidentally. Paul told Timothy, I believe it was in 1 Timothy chapter 4, Paul told Timothy to give himself, and that literally means to give full attention to, 
to take pains with and be absorbed with, absorbed in the prophecies made concerning His purpose. You have to give yourself to it. Now, you understand this. Not everybody's going to get prophesied, and I'll be real honest with you. The Bible says not to despise prophecies, but now you've got to be... There's a, some people will use prophecies, and it's a very thinly veiled attempt at manipulation. I'll tell you this, when somebody prophesies something to you, this is what Brother Hagin always told us at, at Rhema. He said, when somebody prophesies to you, he said, they'll prophesy something to you that the Holy Spirit's already been dealing with you about. If somebody goes, oh, thus saith the Lord, da 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 da, da to you, and you're like, that don't bear no witness with me about nothing. Okay, don't, fall, don't, don't just, you know, don't immediately just discard that, but just say, okay, I'm going to put that over on the shelf. And then if the Holy Ghost deals with you about that, because I mean, you know, somebody like to prophesy money right out your pocket. Somebody go, oh, you know, they like to prophesy the suits right up out of your closet, right? Oh, thus saith the Lord. No, 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 no. But you understand, you understand that is that so you can't, you can't get a prophecy. I've had stuff prophesied to me. Man, I had a guy here in Valdosta. Man, I, I met him at a minister's lunch, and the guy was a prophet. He, he had a, a prophet's ministry, and he met me. And man, he hadn't—he didn't know me from Adam. All I did was pray. We took turns of going around in a circle, praying and praying a prayer for the city. And this guy came to me, man, and he read my mail, man, and he just, man, he just—he's telling me stuff. I was like, yeah, yep, that, yeah, that, yeah, that's confirmed. And he didn't know me from Adam, prophesying stuff to me. But you understand this—that that you have got to give yourself to those things. And I'm not just talking about prophecy. I'm talking about if God puts a, a, a vision in your heart of what your what your purpose is. He gives you a vision. If it's a nursing home ministry, if it's if it's what, whatever type of ministry it is, if God puts something in your heart, that vision, you got to give yourself to it. You got to give it. Some, you got to give it some attention. You got to cultivate it. You got. You got. What's it say? It says to take pains and be absorbed with it. I mean, you need to. You ought to let the purpose that God has for the, the individual purpose. I'm talking about your specific purpose that God has for you. You ought to let it be like an obsessive compulsive disorder for you. That's the only thing you ought to be able. To, that's the only thing you ought to be obsessive compulsive about. Is man, I'm completely absorbed with it. What is it that God's given me to do? And you understand, it doesn't mean y'all. Everybody quits their jobs and they run off and they start uh, teaching in a pulpit. Your your job may be the place that God is the place that God's placed you to take that vision and that purpose that He's placed in you and to make it influential. Amen. Now, some of you might be leaving it, right? Okay, you got to be led, right? Understand this. We'll give you this real quick. Um, you are responsible for the intentional discovery and fulfillment of your purpose. You will never fulfill your purpose in life accidentally. It, ta- it takes purposeful effort. It takes intentional effort. Luke eleven nine. ask, seek, and knock. Jesus said, ask, seek, and knock, right? And, J- and James 1, 5 says, ask God for wisdom, and He'll give it to you liberally. Liberally. Amen? Your purpose. Amen? It's the passion of your life. Remember, purpose is the master of motivation. It's the mother of commitment. And we've got to get serious. Jesus, and and we'll we'll, uh, teach about this a little more, but when Jesus died, he got man back in the position to where you've got your purpose. You're back in right standing. You are in relationship with Daddy. He's got a purpose for you. We talked about the, the general purposes because that's really, that's applicable to everyone. 
So keep that hand out and take a look at that. Study that. Get us around. Go back and look at those scriptures and meditate on those. Those are general ones that apply to all of us, but then we all have specific purposes in the kingdom. Amen? That, that only you are going to be able to find out, and it's going to take deliberate effort. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. We thank you for this day, Father.